Hello and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by Mary Cahalan, head of the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition. You're very welcome, Mary. Thanks a million, Simon. Delighted to be here. Great. Let's move on. I've got a lot I want to ask you. Uh, first of all, let's start talking a little bit about the magical world of STEM. Uh, how did you get an interest in STEM? Uh, can you give us a little bit of information as well for our audience and people who are listening about how the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition came about? Because it's been going for quite a while now. Yeah, so uh, to answer the first part of the question, I have been lucky enough to work for the same organization, um, a communications technology company uh, for 30 years, dare I say it, and that is uh, BT. Uh, worked in the UK and then came back um, to Ireland in the late 90s to a joint venture called Ocean uh, Communications. Um, then Ocean was merged with ESAT when BT bought ESAT. So then I luckily uh, got involved in the BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition and all things STEM. So STEM for uh, people out there that may not know is science, technology, engineering and maths. Um, so I got involved in that wonderful world um, in a more interesting way through the BT Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition, uh, where I was first, uh, as we call them now, lovingly, our, a red coat uh, volunteer. I actually came across a photograph only in the last three or four days of 17 of us standing in a photograph outside the front of the RDS. Um, when we are face to face at the exhibition, there is more like um, 150 people now helping out with the exhibition. So it just shows how, how it's grown. And that sort of leads on to the history of the exhibition really. So um, we're in the 58th year of the exhibition, BT have been doing it now for 22 years. Um, and I am lucky to work with Dr. Tony Scott, one of the co-founders on a daily and weekly basis. Um, so Tony and a lecturer of his and a really, really good friend, um, Father Tom Burke, were both in the States um, on a research uh, trip, I think, and came across science fairs. Um, and came across this young man um, who was launching a rocket, homemade rocket, in the middle of the desert outside Albuquerque in New Mexico. Um, absolutely fascinated by it and said, can we do this at home? Um, and within, I think, about 18 months, the first young scientist took part. That was 1965. So it's, it, it stayed pure at its core as it's about young people getting involved in science, technology, engineering and maths outside the four walls of the classroom and able to explore and to research uh, scientific topics. So in a nutshell, that is it. I, I didn't realise the history went back as far as it did. That's incredible. And it, did you say yeah. it's the 58th year? 58th year this year, yeah. So. Um, since the 50th anniversary, actually, John Monaghan, who is the first ever winner, uh, has become one of our judges and is involved every year. And I was only actually talking to him last week. Uh, he's based in San Francisco. Um, so it's great to have the alumni involved as well. And that's a really important thing for us to keep the alumni involved as much as we can. Wow, that's incredible, Mary. Um and you've got some great partners as well, just to expand on that. So you mentioned some of the key people, but like I know from looking at the, the I don't know whether they're sponsors or partners or how you describe them, but you've got the, the Department of Education, obviously, the Irish government, Analog Devices, is it Perigo? And yeah. RTE, which is the National State Television Broadcast Company. So, I mean, they're yeah. huge uh, partners to get behind this. Yeah, so um, we're so grateful to all the partners. We call it an ecosystem and it is a partnership with every single person um, and every single organization we are we have involved um, in the exhibition. They are all STEM advocates. They want to be involved in STEM. They want to get involved in youth education. That's why the Department of Education are our biggest funders. Um, and we work hand in hand with developing and any changes, fundamental changes we'd make to the exhibition. 
I would always float with the department. As regards RTA, absolutely brilliant to have them on board. Um, as you said, state broadcaster. And they sort of shine the light on, on the exhibition for us and have got other media involved because they take such, such a big role um, in it. They are not media partners. They are one of our gold partners. Um, they're category partner. And we need to make that distinction um, as well. Um, Analog have been involved since technology came in as a as a category over 20 years ago. And Perigo, who used to be uh, Elan Corporation, are a homegrown pharmaceutical company as well. So really good to see those. Uh, Cisco have been our partner as well. We're discussions with them at the moment. But it's not only those sort of the banner sponsors, partners. There's other people that um, like... Irish Aid, um, Self-Help Africa, who are bringing sort of overseas development in, into the exhibition and scientific endeavor in helping uh, overseas development, the EPA and loads of other people. When we're face-to-face -face exhibition, we've over 60 partners. So it just shows you <laughs> how many people are involved. Wow, that's incredible. So over 60 partners, you've got the, the best of the best there. And um, did you mention earlier, did you say that about 150 people behind the scenes? Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm actually the only full time paid employee on wow. the exhibition. Um, we have a steering committee internally where people give a lot of their time for that. There is about another five or six colleague communications. Shay Walter MD sits on that. Um, our marketing colleagues and and everything else then i have our operational team that helped me out and they are all volunteers so health and safety um making sure we get the judging right and everything else all our judges are volunteers as well we don't pay any judges um we act in fact i met, mentioned john monaghan earlier john and another judge um fly themselves at their own cost from the states when we're in situ we pay for accommodation and, and, of course, feed and water them, as they say. It's biscuits and a cup of tea, as Tony always likes to say. It. But everybody, so from our screening judges who will be at full tilt in about three or four weeks' time, getting the best 550 projects for the full uh, uh, cohort of judges, which will be over 90 this year, uh, to judge in January, that will all be happening. So it is really, really important to us our employees every single red coat as we call them um so the volunteers that are on the ground helping me run the exhibition are bt volunteers so bt pay people to be out of the office helping me for three to five five days every year and it's a it's a massive commitment for a business like ours but it's the way the exhibition has always been run it's always been run by an organization where the third sponsor over 58 years it's always been run by the title partner and to do that you need a lot of people um involved mary I, my head is spinning the amount of organization that must go into a week like that is incredible so i mean congratulations for i mean you've been involved in it as long as i can remember from a bt perspective and it's just incredible to see the success of it year on year so i'm going to read something here now uh, because I, I love this line, and it's about the BT Young Scientist Technology Exhibition, the fact that it's more than a competition. And there's a, there's a line on your website that talks about it being an experience of a lifetime for students and the teachers who take part, okay? Um, because it obviously raises the engagement in the critical subjects that you mentioned, science, technology, engineering, and maths, or STEM. So could you maybe just unpack a little bit about why I mean, it sounds obvious on on the face of it, but why is it so important that young people get engaged in in STEM education? Oh, there's there's so many different reasons why they should be involved. Um, I think so. the the change The change that we see in, in young people when they're at the exhibition is actually extraordinary. So um, the fact that they can get confidence through researching. Um, a subject matter that's close to their heart really well. And then having to commend that to judges um, is a massive confidence boost. It's something they probably don't learn as a core skill within the curriculum. I know things are, are definitely um, getting better in, in that vein and stuff, but 
it, it just gives them that springboard to, of confidence. And that's what I love. Like I, I have had so many parents that have written to us over the years um, or popped into us in the organized office on the Saturday and said, look, I left a 14 year old shy, retiring boy, girl on day one. They were very nervous. They didn't know what to do. Um, you've given me back a different person in three days. Um, and that's not, we give people the opportunity, but the students make the journey themselves. And if you see that the way they congregate together, the way different schools from different parts of the country, from one end to the other, their commonality and their common interest is the love of science, technology, engineering and maths and the fact that they got they're, they're at the finals. Now, it's something that we lost last year at the virtual exhibition. It's something we're hoping for virtual mark two in January. We're hoping to be able to get the students in touch with each other and to mix and mingle really uh, a lot more because it's only through conversations that the students sort of get to learn more, get to look at things from different angles. And it's that critical thinking. Um, I think it's really, really important. Um, and you need critical thinking in STEM. Um, you really need need yeah. to to learn um, in science, technology, engineering, and, and maths in a process, how to follow a process, how to research something, and how to look at things in a different way. So that's it, sort of in a nutshell, a long-winded answer, but yeah. No, thank you. Thank you, Mary. Can I, yeah, just something you said there sparked another side question that I have for you, which is, Last year, I'm assuming, was that the first year you had to go fully virtual just because of the global pandemic and everything that's been going on? Like, how did that work? Because I'm for, for our global audience that listen to this, um, obviously people in Ireland and maybe the UK and maybe a little bit closer would know that it's in one of the, the largest venues it, that it's hosted in. It's TV camera crews. It's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, this thing is, is it's like putting on a huge concert. It's massive. Um, so for people that aren't listening, I mean, I, that's my perception of it, you know, having been to it in the past, it's a huge event that's staged over many days. So how did you just just very quickly? I mean, what did last year look like? It must have been a huge change. It was a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Um, look, everybody was living uh, in the same environment. Um, so that sort of made things easier if it, if it had only been sort of Ireland in a in an interesting state then it, it would have been harder but so the decision making process so as we know in march uh 2020 the country went into its, its sort of first lockdown um and what we knew then to what we know now is completely different um and vaccinations and everything else has made it a sort of an easier journey for people i think and we're sort of hopefully seeing the end in sight but there's there's actually still too too many questions out there and, and too many things that could go wrong. Um, and I'll, I, I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit later. So basically, so March lockdown, didn't know how long we were going to be in lockdown. What was this? Everything else. So by about um, the start of April, start having to think, see what we could do, start looking at virtual um, and if you think about it, actually, one of the things that we we couldn't have done virtual if we didn't have uh, integrated uh, platforms, um, communications platforms uh, like Zoom, like Teams, whatever else. So we start looking at those. So um, decided very quickly that we needed to reverse engineer. So the most important was the most important thing to us. The most important thing is that the students would put projects forward and that we would have some way of judging those projects. We needed to be able to judge them as normally they would do um, in a face-to-face, -face, albeit camera to camera, rather than a judge sitting with the students in the venue, um, which normally we'd have 50,000 plus visitors over three days to, um, so that's what we looked at. So we looked at that. So that was the core. And then everything else sprung out from that. So we started looking at, as I said, the integrated communications platforms. And at that stage, and I think it, it's still the same, most of the schools were using Microsoft Teams. So we talked to Microsoft and an ex-colleague had just moved to Microsoft, thankfully. Um, so uh, she had a few phone calls and then suddenly we 
decided we'd have our own tenancy. So we now have a BT Young Scientist tenancy because the Young Scientist is a charitable trust. It's an educational charitable trust. So we were able to do it under, under that. So then colleagues who are involved in teams start building out with Microsoft. So we knew that part of it would work. So the next thing I wanted to do was look at how could we get as close to the exhibition, the face-to-face -face exhibition for the general public. Um, and looked at many of the absolutely brilliant um, exhibition, conferencing platforms out there, had numerous conversations with people, but none of them were right. None of them did what I wanted it to do. None of them had the secret sauce to make it the BT Young Scientist virtual as close as possible. So we built our own. And that's what we did. Um, we have wonderful partners in um, a web company that we've worked with for a number of years, a design house, and then we got a, a third sort of exhibition sort of virtual company in to help to piece it all together for us. Um, so that was a lot of work. It was lastminute.com. I have weekly calls now with that same team. Um, because we want to make improvements um, on last year. So by hook or by crook, we got out there. And the fact that we were told between Christmas and New Year, we thought that the students would be in situ in school doing their interviews. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, I'm a bit of a fatalist. And as a project man manager, you have to look at the worst case scenario and everything you do. So I said, right, what happens if the schools are in lockdown? So from the time that we start building that tenancy um, in, my, in Teams, I said every single individual student has to have their own account and their own ability to get in to the platform. Thank God we did that because that's what happened. Schools were closed and there was talk maybe should we postpone or not. We had, I think, engineered everything so well and had asked ourselves all the right questions. Uh, with that project manager fatalistic sort of risk list in my head um, that we could do it. So that's that's what we did. So we got, um, I can't remember, like 20 or thousands and thousands. I'll have to look at the stats and get them to you, but thousands and thousands of concurrent meetings on teams for the students to be interviewed by the judges. Um, we also then had um, visitors from 77 countries to the portal that we built. So that was doing all our sign shows as we normally would do in a different setting, having an on-stage presence and doing that. And then um, we had 105,000 unique visitors. Now, that's not to say that I'm watching the opening ceremony, the award ceremony, or one of the great uh, on-stage shows with five people in my, my household. So we just need to get a little bit better at the tracking and stuff. So I think our audience, we could say probably was was close on, on quarter of a million easily um, from 77 countries. Incredible, Mary. Wow. I mean, what a change last year must have been for you. And I suppose, obviously, the, the next one you've mentioned, version two. So you're obviously building on the success it sounds like a, a heck of a lot of work that had to go into just making that even possible. Uh, you know, 77 countries, what was a 50,000 people coming through the doors to 100-odd thousand people, you know, uh, virtually. I mean, what an incredible, you know, for anybody who's done any event management or, you know, what did you call it, fatalistic project management. <laughs> yes, uh, I love that. Exactly. I love that, Mary. That's brilliant. I'm going to use that. Um that's that's a that's a heck of an undertaking and so you must be thinking about obviously the next one is virtual has there been any discussions on your radar about when people get back face to face again is that a couple of years out or are, is that not even on your radar at the moment i would hope in all honesty that it will be for us 2023 right okay. um so we took the decision and some people have been querying it over the last week or so where ireland's beginning to open up again Mm. Um, and we're we're saying thankfully the, the brilliant events, um, the whole e e events um, cohort getting back. If that's for live music, if it's for exhibitions, if it's for anything else, I work very closely with, as you can imagine, um, a lot of people in in the the live events uh, area, and it's great to see them 
being able to get back and get some certainty. But for us, the certainty wasn't there when we needed to make a decision. So between discussions internally in BT, and then we went to the the um, the, the young scientist uh, board, um, and I had looked at it in such a way of look, we could do it, but we could only do it in a hybrid. So the hybrid would have been the students and the judges on site, and that would have been it. We couldn't ever see. 50,000 people coming coming through. And you have to look at it from a commercial viewpoint as well. We The, the exhibition costs a lot of money. Um, so we need those visitor numbers coming through the door. It, it's a drop in the ocean, the revenue we get from that, but we still need that. Um, but then we sort of looked at it, like what happens? And at, at the time we made a decision that the rollout to the, the secondary school um, students hadn't been made. So it's 12 to, the 12 to 15 year olds weren't really talked about it that. Now we know that is in, um, like I know this week, most of my my friends' kids in the 12 to 15 year old age group are getting their second vaccines, but still not enough in time when we wanted to give certainty. Right. You also have a thing that, that some, so look with the Delta variants and the new variants and everything else that are coming, just, it was just, too much of a chance. Um, we are very, and I am very aware that I hold 58 years of history in my hands um, and reputation in my hands. So if we had made a misstep either last year, thankfully everything went really well, or next January, um, the reputation is gone. So that's why we sort of made the decision. So there's things that we want to do virtually, as I said, I want the students to be able to mix and mingle more. That needs to be done safely because 90% of our um, participants in the main um, event are under 18, so they're minors. So we need to look at that. Um, and only the right people are getting on and in a secure way and everything else. But we also want people to spend a little bit more time around the portal and especially with sponsors. So we, we talked about our partners at the, at the top of the interview. So we're looking at how we gave it we're, we're calling it gamification. So people will get to visit the stands and they will get rewarded for visiting stands. Understood. In, so so that, they're the sort of two big changes we've made. Other things we've done is we've revamped the um, the website now that it's full, full disabled access for, for people with um, vision um, impairment and, and different things. So there's just different things like that. We never stand still. Right. No year is ever the same. It, it doesn't <laughs> sound like it, Mary. It sounds like it's a. This is yeah. a. This is full on now. Let so bringing it back to step. Thank you for sharing that. That was just some yeah. wonderful insights into the world of running a huge event. Um, bringing it back to STEM for a moment. There's, there's this debate, isn't there, um, that came to my sort of awareness of, a number of years ago, which was turning STEM into STEAM which includes the letter A for, I think, it's the arts. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Because I think BT Young Scientists, it's always been about STEM, not STEAM. Is there any... I'm sure that topic's came up, has it? Yeah, it has done. But I think that the A is there anyway. Okay. It may not be overtly in the name or in the phraseology we use. But if you look at a lot of the design type elements and the innovations that we've seen from the young people... Um, over the years, it's there already. Like if you if you think about Steam, the iPhone wouldn't be the iPhone without the design part of of which is the A part of it. Mm. So it is it is there. As I said, it's not overtly in the name, but it is definitely there. And I think um, the A is about creativity, and our young people have that in spades. Oh no, absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So let, let's talk a little bit about your role then. Obviously, as the you're you're sort of the, the head honcho. You're the person that brings all this together, this young scientist and technology exhibition, Mary. But it sounds like from what you're describing, this is a year-long cycle just to produce this thing. So could you maybe share a little bit about your own role and sort of how that works? Is it is it it just sounds like it do, it never ends. It's like painting the bridge, you know, when you get to the end, you almost have to go back to the start. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, I would always say that we're in an 18-month cycle. So you're already thinking of, like this time of the year, I'm already thinking 2023. I had my first conversations in the last month about 2023. 
um, because we'll, we'll get hopefully be getting back to a physical exhibition. So it's what design changes I want to make, to layout changes, what venue will we go to, different things like that. So that's already uh, a conversation being had. Um, as regards, it, and it has been different in the last two years, uh, or will be for the 2021 and 2022 exhibition. But if I'm preparing for the physical exhibition, it is, some of it's a lot different. But the things that never change is, we want students to enter. We start our campaign in March of every year. So 10 months before we physically see projects. Um, so you're talking to school, you're emailing schools, you're sending out information to schools, you're updating um, the website and any other information we could go. Social media campaign never stops across all platforms. And then you go to this time of the year, schools are back, they're back in August. I Psychologically, I think from, since, from the time 1st of August comes now, that's it, summer's over. Um, when I was in secondary school, you never went back until September. <laughs> I think it was great. And you had shorter holidays then the rest of the time. But anyway, um, so we actually went out to schools at the end of August. Um, we send them all the information, how they enter, what they do. And we have a closing date, which is the 27th of September. So that's when we'll see the project, finished project, finished proposals, not projects coming through. They'll go to the judges. We'll have around 22, 23 judges who will turn that around and look at every single project and have it turned around in less than 10 days for us. And then we get the results out to the schools before midterm break towards the end of October. So that's that part of the process. We, Julie, we are talking to our partners just to see who is involved, who wants to get involved. Then if we're at the main exhibition, I've recruited the volunteers already. So I've got over 100 colleagues across BT who are going to volunteer. Um, physically for the exhibition, they'd be helping me run the exhibition. For the virtual, they help run the judging sessions. They don't. We don't interfere in judging at all or anything else, they're there to help, to open, to make sure the technology is working for the judges and the students. Um, and then we get on, I've already had conversations with people that will be on stage virtually with us, what shows we'll have. Um, and when we're physically at the exhibition, we, um, we have, I think, 22 different shows a day. Um, the content will turn maybe somebody will do three or four shows or five shows but there'll be 22 opportunities for somebody to go and visit a stem related show um then what else do we do um yeah so bring the board along in the whole way so how it works for me is i am a full-time employee of bt's and have been for 30 years luckily um love working for the company um i think what we we do in it a diversity, equity and inclusion piece and, and PT Young Scientists as part of that programme is phenomenal. Um, so I'm a standalone person. Um, I report into communications. Um, we, we report directly into Shea Walter MD. Um, but I also have a dotted line and a reporting line to the Charitable Trust. So I have two bosses as such. I have a, I have a balancing act. Very much it is. It's a strange one that I I work for the company that organizes, sponsors the exhibition, but I also have to so I have to protect BT and I have to protect the board. It's yeah. it's a cycle, it's a circle, it's never ending. So that's yeah. that's basically yeah. it in a nutshell. My goodness. Um and of course, as you mentioned earlier, you're also holding that history and the, the sort of the importance of that 58 years yeah uh, and, and long may it continue so thank you for sharing that Mary I mean I, I'm reminded of uh, I think last year the winner was Greg Tarr Tarr yeah and he stuck he stuck in my mind because of his, his development for deep fake detection software got global headlines I mean what he did was was phenomenal I know um the the t-shock you know the government uh the media coverage it was just incredible 
Um, I mean, is there anything that sort of uh, springs to mind when it comes to projects like that or winners that you've had in the past or, you know, what's this year's exhibition? Is there a theme? Because uh, I thought the deep fake detection software last year was incredible. Yeah, um, there's never a team. There's not a team anymore. There would have been for a number of years. Right. And I decided that I wanted to get rid of that. I The the team is you let your imagination run wild um, because that's what we need. You, you can't sort of you can't box people into a way of thinking or anything else. I want to get the plethora of ideas rather than you're doing environmental, you're doing, you're doing technology, you're doing deep fake, whatever else. So that's why it's, it's a broad brush approach. Um, and I think it works very well in that. Um, I actually spent some time with Greg only over the weekends. Um, we're preparing for Greg and our 2020 winners, uh, Cormac and Alan, uh, who did the, 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 by a stereotyping brilliant piece of work um, around how early kids will say boy engineer girl nurse which I, I think is is really good piece of work but anyway we were uh, meeting with the Taoiseach but we were also because he wanted to wish them well um, and we were doing a little bit of prep around the European Young Scientist which is on the weekend of the 18th 19th of September so we're not going, unfortunately, to Salamanca in Spain <laughs> next week, but we I will be spending time with the, the guys in, in Cork um, for the award ceremony. So um, so if you look at those two projects, right, one deep fake and one a social and behavioral project with the social sciences deep rooted in it, with stats deep rooted in it, with psychology deep rooted in it and everything else. So that that's just the breadth of projects in two years. You're seeing that from our winners. So you, you can't talk about the winners without talking about the alumni overall. Mm. Our alumni are phenomenal. I think we, we were calculating reason, recently over the 58 year history of the exhibition, the judges have looked at over 100,000 ideas from 50,000 people. So if you think of that, that like that, they're, they're just mind-blowing stats. But we have, like, there was a piece that we, we did. Um, we were asked to contribute to a piece in the Business Post this last weekend. And when you see things just written down, and Ty Begley, who's one of our winners from the 17s, being interviewed alongside John Monaghan, the first ever winner, being in, in, Greg Tarr being interviewed, who's our mo most recent person, and then some of the alumni in between. Like, we'll always talk, look, strike Patrick Collison um, as some of our other alumni call him the poster boy for the BT on Scientists and Technology exhibition but he has he he got an outlet when he was in school and the outlet was his projects in the BT Young Scientist um, he's come on like I'm not going to say phenomenally because I don't think it's big enough a word for, for what himself and John have done but John Patrick and Tommy, all three of the Collisons were involved. Um, Shane Curran uh, won back with us about four years ago, I think it was, but Shane was a, a serial young scientist. Like he was in it three years before he won. He actually didn't get through one year. Greg didn't get through one year. He only told me last weekend. So like if the idea is not quite right, it, it just won't won't make it. Or if there's, as I explained to Greg, because he was a bit miffed about it, I sort of said, look, I don't know what your project was about, but there, there was just stronger projects. Or you looked at it, the, it, not in a novel way that the judges want you to look at an idea. Um, so they're just, just amazing people. And, and I love talking about our alumni. Um, those that didn't win as much as I did, do love talking about the people that did win. No, I mean, those, um, and it those is names, Mary, that, that's incredible yeah. to think, to think, I mean, you, you mentioned the word strive to anybody. Um, those guys, what those guys have done has just been like globally changing the landscape uh, in the, the areas that they're, they're involved in. And, you know, when you, tr you can trace that back to an outlet back at the, uh, the Young Scientists and Technology Exhibition, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, the alumni itself over the, 58 years must be just a, a wealth of knowledge and the amount of 
creativity and ideas that you've judged over the years it's, it's just i mean it's a, it's an idea machine isn't it it's just an incredible thing that you're involved in yeah and it gives it gives the the purest as much of an outlet as it does the innovators so i'm talking about the purest that the mathematical projects right yeah. so or the yeah. physics those that are deep that are, are looking at theory that are are deeply deeply involved in in solving or expanding work um, to the innovators and everybody in between. And that's just the beauty of the whole whole project and, and, and the event itself. That's incredible. Can we, can we talk a little bit about um, a, a, an important topic, which is the, the, the discussion about women uh, participation in STEM fields? And I know, I do know that BT... Um, uh, works with many organizations and I know that there's the women in technology, the 30% club, um, over the, your involvement with BT Young Scientists, do you think we're, we're making an impact here? Are you seeing like, is the tangible results on female involvement in STEM fields? Because there was a big cry, not only from industry, but from governments, wasn't there about the fact that if you go back a number of years or maybe over the, a decade or so, it was a much more male-dominated uh, uh, area. And mm -hmm. even its calls in Silicon Valley, there was recent change, well, not too long ago, there were changes in California about the mix of a board, you know, a board of directors and the makeup and how to get more diversity into technology companies in particular. Um, so I, I'm just wondering on your views on that, because obviously you're sort of right there at the cutting edge of, influencing young people be they uh, male or female or, or you know or whatever they 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 identify as and it, it's it's just to me just as interesting to see whether we're making an impact here are we getting more young people involved like, what's your view on it mary you you're the expert here uh expert with a small e um as regards the participation levels in the bt young scientists and technology exhibition girls outweigh boys significantly. So we would see in around 60% of all entrance participants are girls and 40% boys, uh, where we're seeing sort of changes, gradual changes is we're seeing more girls involved in technology and chemical, physical, and mathematical sciences. Um, I think boys are just slightly ahead in those two categories. Um, so we are seeing that um, I'm quite heavily involved in the education side of Connecting Women in Technology, which is a 22 um, company, um, technology companies, um, both Irish, but mostly multinational companies. And we do a lot of discussion and we have a lot of discussion about that. Um, and then it, it sort of harks back to Cormac and Allen's project about gender stereotyping and how how early that is. So they talked about preschools. Can you imagine four or five year olds that already have that view in life and everything else? So what we want to do with Connecting Women Technology is look at primary schools now, not everything on secondary schools, because there is you you need the step change the whole way, whole way across the education system because it's such a big big organization with the amount of schools if you think there's over 3,000 primary schools in the Republic of Ireland alone over 700 second level schools so to move and change things is massive things are changing gradually um, they can't change overnight um, so I think until those step changes are made um, we are going to struggle a little bit but I think in the last four or five years, things in Ireland have made a significant change, probably even in the last decade. We've talked about it a lot. We need to be just careful that we're not leaving the boys behind us now because there's been so much development and so much talk about girls in STEM. You don't want now boys being left behind and others being left behind. Um, so that's what we need to do. So it needs to start at home, school and then uh girls making a difference i think what we've done and i think it's called the future of work um the step changes that are made there i think we're off still on the 50 50 type board 
um, and people getting involved in boards, you need the, the people need to be there regardless of gender. You, you, you sometimes, and this, this is something I struggle with, um, that it has to be the best person um, in a role and it shouldn't be gender regardless if it's woman or man or anything else. So they're the sort of things that we need to, to keep an eye on. Um, and we need to make it easier, I think, for women to continue to work within STEM fields, if that's in academic life or if it's in innovation companies and all the rest. Because I think, unfortunately, but there has been a massive step change as well. Women are still seen as the primary carers. Uh, in a lot of, of areas. So if if a child is sick, <laughs> they're, they're the ones that have to drop tools and pick up a child from school or make the arrangements or whatever else. Now, I hope what I would see, and the, the whole, the, this new, and, and when we get a, a concrete sort of plan from the government around sort of mixed working, um, as in what will be the blend between home and between office, that would make a massive difference to people. If people can be at home based, like I've seen the change, I don't have kids, I, uh, but I've seen the change in myself. I've always been a teleworker. I have been for 20 years, but the change I've seen in other people around me and how they, they've managed and how quality of life has changed to a certain bit. Now the kids are back in school. I think the whole having to homeschool and work was a massive struggle for everybody. But they're, they're the fundamentals, I think, everybody is has very good intentions about how to change the gender balance we just need to make sure that we're taking as many roadblocks out of the way of people um that's, to that's fascinating mary i think you made some excellent points there and it, it it sounds like you know there have been some substantial step changes in in certain areas but there's still a lot more work to do and i i love the the topic that you add to there, which is the way that we work today. Obviously, BT uh, has been involved in everything from virtual reality to augmented reality to virtual conferences for, for long before there was a pandemic. You know, I mean, there were streets ahead uh, many, many years ago. I know there are uh, BT futurists on staff and, you know, they're just thinking about stuff that's, that's coming down the track. Um, and it's interesting when you talk about the, how we work going forward, right? Because it, it, the pandemic, if, I know it's been a terrible thing for lots of people, but it also has made us pause and think about what's important and how we do work and what's effective. And uh, yeah, the, the, the impact that can have on things like women in technology that you mentioned, I think that's, that's a really important point to, to consider. Um, so thank you uh, for sharing that. And I know you're very involved in working alongside those organizations did you say it's 22 companies involved in that now? 22 companies at the moment yeah yeah that's a that's a big movement so um, we'll put some links uh, when we when we publish this episode so people can follow up on things like that if they're interested um so in terms of uh, you mentioned the barriers you want to remove the barriers obviously um so i want to sort of as we come to sort of the end of our discussion today what what advice would you give to young people that want to get involved in, in STEM fields? I mean, the obvious is enter the competition, but what, what advice would you have for people that just want to get involved? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely enter the competition. And then you may, you may very quickly say that, yeah, maybe not, not for me, research wouldn't be for me or whatever else, um, but explore it. You have an opportunity to explore and do that. I think where, People need, I think, I think people need to look around. Like we always talk and, and, and us technology companies are, are great at talking about there's jobs in two to five years time that haven't been invented yet, uh, that haven't been seen yet. And it's absolutely true. Like we, you're talking now about, and it's really funny talking to people that are sort of in their, their teens and all the rest. And, and you talk about, like, I remember teletext i remember fax machines i remember the brick mobile phones and everything else and i was just talking to somebody over the weekend and sort of saying like the first computers like i i i had a, a very failed academic career as a computer scientist um which i'm always happy to talk about um 
in the context that it wasn't for me. Um, and not everything is for everybody, but I was just talking to them about the computers that I use. Like I was lucky enough that I was able to use Macs, but the Mac was, I think it was, it was almost like a, a gray screen with a white cursor on it and you had to do it. But we then also used IBMs, which if you remember had this, this sort of dot matrix sort of thing that was a, it was a black screen with green or something. If you thought about that, and like those, there's more processing power in the mobile phone I have or in my Fitbit now than there was in those computers. So I'm just trying to get that. So sometimes, sometimes when you were talking about BT earlier on and all of the stuff we've done, I remember like my first visit to our labs in Martlesham, God, 25 years ago, and being able to touch and feel things and how tangible things were, and these were the change. Now everything is done in the ether very much. The tangibility when you talk about technology isn't isn't as touchable as it was. So that's what people need to get their head around. And I think us 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 of a, of a, of a different generation that's that we struggle with that sometimes. But like you see, student or p- kids now that like can turn on a device, can work a device when they're two or three, everything else. But anyway, get back to your question. It is so exciting to be involved in STEM in any way, shape or form. I think the thing now is like, I, I, I've talked a lot about being in the same company for 30 years. I have a completely different job than I had when I started 30 years ago. I have a completely different job than I, that I had five years ago. I have the same job, but it's completely different. Um, and that's what people need to, to see that you're not, there's no, no such thing as jobs for life anymore. There is, it is, and careers and everything else, just follow your passion, get involved in stuff, get ready to jump ship. Like I, I just came off, I was mentoring somebody who, honest to God, was going to UCL Berkeley, what I have to talk to a computer grad who's doing a master's in software and something else, I don't know. But anyway, and that's what I was sort of saying, saying to her, I said, look, you need to think about a sort of a two-year, five-year plan. You're not talking about a 30-year plan. And that's... Anyway, that's a very convoluted way of the world's your oyster. Get out there, explore it, see what you can do. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk here, and I know this is a global show, but the the sort of the state exam results and then the college offers came out this year, this this week. And there's been so many disappointed young people that haven't got their first, second, third choice, have had no choices at all. Um, and we just sort of need to do something, I think, about that. And like me, there are other ways to get involved in something. Um, like you don't, you can get involved in apprenticeships and, and work your way up through a company or work your way around an industry or have a look at an industry, say, mm, don't like that. Let's, why not I look at that? So look, get involved, see what's out there um, and just take a jump, leap of faith, really. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, wise words indeed, Mary. Thank you. So look, you're you're always busy. Uh, you've got this ongoing uh, huge uh, event that you need to put on every year. So we've talked about a lot today, and I'm really grateful for your answers. It's been very insightful. I've really enjoyed that discussion. But is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience that maybe we haven't touched on, or if there's anything else around the uh, the uh, the exhibition that you want to raise, uh, please feel free to do that before we wrap up. Yeah, the one thing that I I love actually about the sort of the the core, and I, I've talked about that that we we handle with integrity what was developed day one. Um, we've been able to expand out of Ireland as well, which I absolutely love. Um, I'm involved in a small way in some of the other um, international. Um, competitions we have so we have a young scientist Tanzania we have a young scientist Kenya and there is a um, a countrywide um, organization through the Department of Education in the United Arab Emirates using our model as well we have a waiting list of other people that want to get involved um, and we we look at those carefully and all the rest but I know from especially talking to uh, people in the Irish embassy and, and others that are involved in Kenya, they sort of see 
what the young scientist model will do for their country over decades as it has helped Ireland. That is what they're really excited about. And it, it's great. It, it's wonderful to see that, that that impact and that core standard of the young scientists can be carried across and used in other com countries. Um, as long as people treat it with the same integrity as it's treated within Ireland, it will fundamentally change countries and lives. lives. Um, and that's, that's the main thing that I, I love about it as well. Incredible. Uh, the, the global journey continues. I mean, it, 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 is a, it is an absolute flag bearer for Ireland. It reaches the US. You mentioned the Stripe uh, uh, brothers. That, uh, and, you know, it is an incredible um, operation, Mary. There's no other word for it. Um, so congratulations to you and your team uh, and everybody behind the scenes. I'm sure there's lots of people um, that, that are involved that, that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis and to all your your sort of uh, program partners around the world, etc. So it's just been fascinating to hear that. I really do appreciate it, Mary. So thanks very much for spending some time with us today. And uh, I'm sure our audience have enjoyed that. Thanks a million, Simon. Lovely to talk to you again. Well, look, it's it's the end of today's show with Mary Cahalan. Uh, please make sure to tune in uh, to listen and or watch uh, the next Vista Talks where once again, we will be discussing some interesting topics with interesting people from all around the world. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Simon.